Bless you, brother. Bless you. Should we, should we worship instead of listening to me preaching? Uh, well, the, the presence of God is certainly in this place. Um, and, oh, I've just noticed my family have arrived late. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, are they? Oh, apologies. Round in, in this church today. And um, I want us not to come out, as it were, of that presence, but to stay in the flow of the presence of God. You see, it's easy when we're worshipping and we're praising God together to sense the presence of God, to know the presence of God, because we're doing it together. Somebody's speaking up here, it's one person through the Holy Spirit speaking to many people. And yet it's still the same Spirit. Whether you're worshipping God or you're taking up the offering, or you're doing the welcome, or you're doing the kids' work, it's the same Spirit. It's the same Christ that lives in me and you. And so as we're just coming around the Word today, switch off. But actually... Ask God, even now as we're going to get into his word, that actually that the spirit would rise up even further. That you would know his presence even greater and even stronger as we just look at the word of God. And You know, as preachers um, and as leaders of the church, we are often encouraged by our senior pastors to bath, well, depending on which part of the country you come from really, to have a bath or bath. This afternoon, Bath, uh, they've gone to a church opening in, um, or church, church building opening this afternoon. So that's why they're not here if you wondered where they were. But one of the things that they've done consistently um, um, over the years has counselled us as both as leaders and as preachers, those that are preaching, uh, to be vulnerable. Vulnerable is not easy. Because being vulnerable basically means you get to tell people things that you don't really want them to hear sometimes but actually being vulnerable means that you are being truthful and where there's truth there's freedom because what happens is God hears the truth that the person is speaking in his name and he then brings freedom to the person that needs it so I'm going to be quite vulnerable, probably the most vulnerable I've ever been preaching for a long time. And you may not be in this place, and I'm, I'm going to be speaking today from a place where I've been at for the last couple of months. In my 35 years, actually probably longer than that, of being a Christian, there's only ever been that I can remember two occasions, two occasions, so tested that I've really struggled. One was about 13, 14 years ago, and I know why that happened, because I fell badly. So I knew what the meaning of that was. I knew that the presence of God had evaporated from me because of something that I had done. Whereby in this last couple of months, I can't say God would take his presence from me. And I've struggled to fathom it out. 
And so we're going to look at some scriptures today. And you may be in this place, you may not be in this place. Now praise God, he's brought me out of it. And I'll tell you how he brought me out of it later on. And so we'll look, we've got a series called From Stress to Be in a Place of Stress. He wants us to be in a place of freedom, but it's easy for me to say that to you. I want us to look at a clip, a very short clip, maybe one or two times. Sam has magnific magnificently managed to get this clip up. It wasn't easy to do. And I think Tracy's got it now. Have you got it, Trace? So many new Christians in our midst of, and, and you've turned from sin to, to, to follow Jesus, but now you're in the middle of the desert and you're wondering where God is. And, and you feel like he abandoned you. And I think it's so tempting when you're deep in the process in the middle of the desert to want to go back, but don't quit. Don't forget about the miracles. Remember when he split your Red Sea so you could walk through it. Remember the moment when he brought you from death to life. Remember the moment he called you and anointed and appointed you. Remember his presence and power. And it might take a while, but we can't handle the promises without the process. Can you play that again? Sure. Many new Christians in our midst have left the slavery of their Egypt. And you've turned from sin to, to, to follow Jesus. But now you're in the middle of the desert and you're wondering where God is. And, and you feel like he abandoned you. And I think it's so tempting when you to want to go back, but don't quit. Don't forget about the miracles. Remember when he split your Red Sea so you could walk through it. Remember the moment when he brought you from death to life. Remember the moment he called you and anointed and appointed you. Remember his presence and power in times in the desert. There is pain. And it might take a while, but we can't handle the promises without the process. So the words that were used in that little clip were things like deserts and miracles and pain and where is God and abandoned and don't quit and anointed and bought you so I'm a share in this so a couple of months ago um, I, I suppose as a as a a young boy growing up in a Christian household, I was very privileged to, to grow up in a Christian household. And we were taught the paths and the ways of the Lord. We were very fortunate that we sowed into us so much good seed. And they told us and advised us to respect everybody, to love everybody. In fact, when I say respect and honour people, as young children and as teenagers, we weren't even allowed to call those that were older than us by their first name. It always had to be Mr or Mrs. That was the respect that we were taught. Over the years, I've been very fortunate and very blessed that I've managed to love on people and people have managed to love on me. And I can't ever remember... I can't ever remember in my life 
whereby I could honestly say I'd been hurt by another Christian. But in the last few months, it happened. Somebody from this church. But actually, a couple of months ago, somebody said something to me in the middle of a meeting with quite a few other Christians. They said something to me which implied that I was a liar. It it, it implied and it questioned my integrity. So much so that I actually got up out of the meeting and walked. And so thereafter, for the next days, for the next weeks, because I didn't know how to process this, and I'd never seen another Christian speak to another Christian in that way before, it started to affect me. It was affecting my thinking. It was affecting my sleeping. I couldn't get my head around it. How is it that in this way? That can't happen, surely. But it did. And so I started to try and process what was said to me in my own mind. And I took my own counsel about it. That was mistake number one, by the way. And then to compound my my work, the job that I was doing that I loved so much was started to slowly but surely be eroded from me and my responsibilities were starting to be given to somebody else. I had no focus. I didn't really know what I was doing. And still to this day, I don't. I go in. I do what they ask me to do because I've been there for so long. It's Tony can fill in here. Tony can do that there. Tony can do this. Tony can do that. And then to compound it a little bit even further, my wife Lorraine, her mother is gravely ill. And you see, when one thing happens, what tends to happen, and it shouldn't happen, but it did with me, is you start to look through life in negative eyes. And I want to share from Scripture about a man who... I all mentioned this morning, and actually what I all said this morning, in part of what he was saying, is actually what I'm going to say to you this afternoon through the Word of God. And I want to look at a man called David, and if you will turn with me please to the Psalms, Psalm 13. And I'm going to read the whole Psalm, it's only a very short Psalm. And this is, you know, you do understand that the the Psalms are fantastic. And the great thing about the Psalms is when you are in a desert place, you will see that actually probably three quarters of the Psalms are whereby David is complaining or lamenting. And this is a lament, another lament of David. And this is probably where I've been. So in Psalm 13 it says this, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? 
How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day I've sung, will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. You'll notice that there are four how longs. Four how longs in the space of two verses. And for the last two months, I've been saying, How long, Lord? How long? And there must be people in here who said that at some points in their lives, How long? How long until my marriage is restored? How long until my finances are better? How long until I find a church which I can call home? It's in my household. I've been praying for my brother and my sister for 30, 40 years. How long? How long did I get the right job or the job that I want or desire? How long till I get the right boyfriend or girlfriend? You ever asked a question? You see, I believe the reason that David asked the question how long four times is because he has an intense desire for deliverance. I don't know, and maybe some of you scholars in here can tell me where what it's concerning what's happened to David. It, uh, I all mentioned about him being in a cave before with uh, Jonathan and Saul, was it? I, I'm not quite sure what the context of it is, to be perfectly honest with you. Maybe Pastor Tina or uh, Stella might be able to uh, tell us on that one. But, you know, we as, as human beings, we think that we, generally speaking, that we can endure most things, don't we? Most things if we know when the end will come. And so therefore we can carry on because we know that at this point it will come to an end. Yet David didn't know when it was going to come to an end. And I didn't know when it was going to come to an end whereby I sensed the presence of God and the peace and the power of God again. I didn't know. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? I don't know if you, what we all like, but sometimes you can overplay wrestling with your thoughts. Sometimes you can end up not being able to sleep because there's stuff going around in your thoughts and in your mind. And this is what I've been doing for the last five or six weeks. I've been wrestling 
But you know what I should have done? I should have immediately took those thoughts to God. Will you forget? There's nothing worse in a human, human being's heart and mind to think that they have been forgotten. And David thinks that God's forgotten him. Oh, he's somewhere else. He's, he's dealing with somebody else. Do you ever feel as if God's not answering you? Do you ever feel as if life's just not fair? You never sense the presence of God anymore, David. He to hear the still small voice of his saviour and he despaired I wonder if there are anybody in here today who are despairing because you're not your confidence is not you don't believe that you have had an encounter with Jesus recently his presence has, seems to have disappeared from you actually you're just turning up to church a connection or a relationship with Jesus and for some reason you may have had in the past but today it's gone that you think that God has forgotten you well in Isaiah 49 if we can we can't no we won't get that verse but I'm going to read in Isaiah 49 in the midst of all this lamenting that I'm doing 49 verse 14 to 16 it talks about I have engraved you on the palm of my hands so what God is saying there is that whatever you go through nothing changes you are written on the palm of my hands because you are going through circumstances and situations whereby you are reacting wrongly for yourself, that doesn't change the situation that I love you. And that when you gave your life to me, whenever that was, I wrote your name and I engraved it on the palm of my hands. So I won't forget you. How can I forget you? My promise is sure. I hate paperwork. I used to have an iPad. It's broken, so I'm on paperwork. <laughs> How long will my enemy triumph over me? David did not want his enemy to be exalted over him, either in his relationship with God, or secondly, within himself. He didn't want his enemies to triumph over him. 
Now, the fact that God has, God has already won didn't really seem to come into his mind or into his thinking. Because his thinking was, I don't want my enemies to triumph over me. Does your thinking ever take that thread which says, oh, and, and I'm losing, and, and where are you, God, and you've forgotten about me? Well, actually, if you start looking at the cross, it tells you there that he's already won. If you look, start looking at the cross, the enemy's defeated already. And so David then prays for his relationship with God. He felt that God was just not listening. And in these last couple of months, I felt God just wasn't listening to me. Do you ever feel that God's not listening to you? Let me tell you, if you feel God's not listening to you, it's not that he's not listening to you. It's just that he doesn't want to give you an answer that is not beneficial to you. That doesn't mean to say that God doesn't speak directly and say exactly what he thinks, but his best is for you and for me. And he's very wise, God. He knows how to, to deal with his need to hear and what we don't need to hear. David prayed desperately. Now, David didn't pray desperately in order to be able to persuade God to answer his prayers. Because you can pray as much as you But I don't believe God's in the business of us trying to persuade him. I believe that he sees our heart's desires and if our heart's desires are in line with his will, he will then give you your heart's desire. But I think that there was a desperate prayer there from David. And I think what we've about the church, I think what we've lost is the desperation for Jesus Christ. I think the enemy's been very good at sowing half-sold-out surrender to Jesus. But my understanding is that Jesus wants every last bit of you. He's a and he wants every last bit of me. And I don't know why I've gone through what I've gone through. But what I do know is it's for my good. Now, how did I come out of this lament? When I think about it, and I tell you the answer, it's dead simple. You've already, you've, if you were here this morning, you've already heard it. A couple of, 
about, a, sorry, about four or five days ago, I received a phone call from a friend of mine. And um, we were having a chat and I was lamenting. I'm very good at lamenting. I was lamenting and he said, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. He said, do you want to come out of that season? I said, yeah. He said, it's simple. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. And so I started to count my blessings. Many years ago. And I started to think the great things that God had done in my life. And I started to think about the time that I was saved and when I was born again. And when I was filled with the Holy Spirit from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I started to think back about the times that God gave me my wife and my children and now my grandchildren and my thing that he sustained me with and he's provided me with over all these years. I started to think about Hope Church and the fantastic brothers and sisters that I have in this church. I started to think about holidays that I've been on where I've been richly blessed. And in, in the end, when I'd finished me counting and me blessings, they far outweighed the stuff that I was going through. Yeah. Yeah. We used to sing a song for those that are older. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Do you remember? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and you will and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. If the band uh, would like to come up on the stage. When I was a young boy, in my very young years, going into teenage years, I, had a I was still do have a twin brother, but my, my, me and my twin brother, we come to buy each other. And uh, me and my twin brother used to fight a lot. He was called James. And I suppose I was the most, looking at it now, you would not believe this, but I was the most athletic of us the two of us. I was actually quite sporty until about maybe, I don't know, five or six years ago. I was reasonably, and um, I used to, at school, I used to play all kinds of sports, and I was actually playing quite reasonable standard football until about five or six years ago, until I did my groining twice in the space of six months, and that was the end of that. But when we were young kids, um, we used to fight all the time. And the way it used to go, it happened the same all the time. The way that it used to work was this, is that I would give me a couple of good smacks, and, but he would not let it go until he'd done some damage to me. So basically, because I was fitter and maybe quicker and a bit more agile, I'd get in there quickly. But once I'd kind of done some damage to him, I wanted to run off. 
because I wasn't wanting it to carry on for much longer. But my brother was, oh, no, 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 no. I'll chase you three miles to Warrington. He used to make sure that he, in some way, shape or form, would bruise me or hit me or bloody me nose or something like that. Every single time it happened. And he used to bruise me. I used to come out with these bruises on my face. And uh, you know it's like with bruises? They stay there for a little while, but eventually they go away. 42. You'll all know this portion of scripture. Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruise and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings the islands will put their hope. A bruised reed he will not break. Are you bruised today? Has something happened to you that has caused you to be bruised and hurt and offended? It might be something somebody has said. Like it happened to me. Do you need that healing flow? of the Saviour's love, of the Holy Ghost. Come and heal separation, that separation that you may feel from Jesus Christ. It may be that you need physical healing. A smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Are you kind of in that place where you're just about ready to go? It's said in the film about quitting. I mentioned this morning that there has been lots of, shall we say, instances within our church community in the last three weeks whereby they've had to get involved for one reason or another to counsel, to bring, uh, to bring wisdom. Fatman and I have gotten, uh, been involved. I've had some small way and these people, they're hurting. There is people that are going through stuff. But I want you to consider today that if you're going through stuff, whatever it might be, I want to encourage you to count your blessings. Because I can assure you that God is good. That he is good. He's not just possibly good, he is always good, today and forever. I think the way that the Holy Spirit has been moving today and in the meeting, I just want to have an appeal. And this is appeal isn't necessarily for salvation, although if you do not know Jesus Christ, um, come and speak to us. Speak to Fatmon who sat at the back, Io. 
Rachel Sirp, uh, there and still speak to grab hold of somebody and say, what's that guy telling you talking about? Salvation, what does he mean? What do I have to do to him? What is it? How do I connect with God? How can I, how can I know peace? How can I get to heaven? But I want to concentrate just for this few minutes on the body, his church. And I want us to allow the Holy Spirit to move, to heal. To cause his presence again to flow in and through you. See, on Friday, I received a text message in the morning. Can you come and see us? I went to see our pastors because they could see that I, that I had been in all the time that I'd known them. And they were concerned for me. So I met with them. But actually during the afternoon, Friday afternoon as I was sat at my desk at work, for the first time in two months, the presence of God just started to flow over my heart. The presence of God just started to lift me again. And to heal me. Be careful, church, with your words. Be careful, Tony, with your words. Be careful how you use your words. Don't be sharp with your words. Be graceful with your words. Be loving with your words. Be truthful with your words. And so I just want to use this moment now just to ask if there's anybody, if we can just close our, we'll close our eyes, and if there's anybody in church who at this moment in time is going through stuff and you, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I, I, I just think God's forgotten me. Like Tony said, he seems to have forgotten me. And I still believe, but a bit like David, I've been complaining a little bit. And a bit like Tony, he's been complaining and lamenting a little bit. Really want, is what David wanted, which is that desire to know the presence of God again in his life. And so, let's just uh, close our eyes. And all I want you to do, if that's you, and you want us to pray for you, just, uh, just raise your hands now before we go any further. If that's you, who can say, you know what, I need prayer, and I need God to, I see that hand there, I need God to do something in me, a miracle in me, which will change, change the course and the direction of my life. Amen. Amen. I see that hand there as well. Amen. Father, I just uh, commend to you, Father, these folks, Lord, that have put their hand up and, Lord Jesus, may at this season of their life need, Father, the, the love and the warmth and the presence and the power to heal, to bring back to life. Lord, to, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will just rush in 
that your light would overcome that darkness. That your name would be glorified through every single life in this place. Lord, that when we're in that desert place, when we're in that season of toughness, Lord Jesus, we recognise that we still have the anchor for our soul. And his name is Jesus. He will not forsake us. He will not leave us. Because he knew us before we were in our mother's womb. And he knows our frame. Even the hairs of our head are numbered. We want to be, Father, the best that we can be. For the God who bought us with his son's precious blood. And so, Father, have your way in our lives today. Help Help us, we pray, this week. May your presence engulf us and overwhelm us. And so, Father, have your way in your church and in your people in these days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.